Hello, and welcome to the No Good Poetry Podcast. Each week we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of poetry. This is episode 101 with... Joseph Makos. And Joseph Biafini. This is the good, bad, and the ugly, isn't it? Some ugly shit out there, kids. Let's make the world safer for poetry. Okay, we're back, and I think, does anyone have anything that they want to bring up, or are we going to have an episode today? Are we going to have an episode today? (laughs) (laughs) A nervous breakdown. (laughs) The only thing that I said in this episode was a question. That would be terrible. What if that were terrible? Oh god, that would be terrible. <laughs> now, what would, yeah, what would it mean if... Okay, I'll come back in a second. Okay, we have with us a special guest. We're going to talk about some things, I think. No, I'm just kidding. I won't do that. Should I do that? If you can do that, I, I'm really bad at that game. That would be terrible, The it? turn everything into a question game because is I think deadly. at the end and ask a question, don't you think? Because you could always just bring it back at the end, right? At the end of your question, I think. You sure? I think now you need to explain why oh you're doing God. that because okay. it's going to be very. Uh, already, people are like, "I'm not listening." To this <laughs> <episode."> <laughs> so, so you, one of the things that you wanted to talk about today was rhetorical questions. Yeah, okay. yeah, so, questions <laughs> in general in poetry. The poem has a question. Uh, so we have oh, with us, well, we have with us Lisa Passwell today. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you coming today. It's a, it's a, it's a fun day. Um, it's been nice out. And now we have you to be our guest. Uh, Lisa is a, a writer originally from Montreal. Her books include The Riparian and Any Bright Horse, both from Frontenac House. In the course of research, she has worried about wolves in Kyrgyzstan. She has argued with pit bosses in Venetian, in a Venetian casino. And she has been thrown off a train in Belarus. That sounds like it could be good, it could be bad. It's a good story. I'm fine. And <laughs> I ended up going back to Belarus uh, just recently, and it was great. So nice. it was actually a really, really fun and interesting, fascinating place. And they like poetry there, too. And they have strange questions in their poems as well. And I guess I got kind of obsessed with the idea of questions in poems recently, because I was reading this book... This book, I'm waving it at the microphone, which makes all the difference in a podcast. Um, It's by Catherine Barnett, and it's called Human Hours. And she has these series of long poems in the book, and they're called Accursed Questions. And she says she started it because a doctor suggested she write down questions about all the things that worried her and interested her. But the accursed question poems don't seem to turn out that way at all. And it got me thinking why we write poems with so many questions in them. What are we doing? And uh, I could I could read an example of this poem if you want. We could start yeah, like absolutely. that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Like that. So it's from Catherine Barnett. And this is... In middle of Accursed Questions 3, I think. I think it's the third one. Two, actually. Why did I so rarely mention love when we were holding each other? Does Anvisal work on the heart or only on the mind? 
Did I misuse everything? Did Kant really have a parrot? What was the punchline? Are sex and death the only rafts out of here? Where did we think we were going? And then I started to get annoyed about questions, actually, because it just seems like I actually really like Barnett's work. I think it's super interesting. But some of the questions that turn up in poems, uh, there's Pablo Neruda's book of questions. I really like some of Neruda's work. I really, really love it. But the book of questions, I mean, there, there are some of these couplets like, why do trees conceal the splendor of their roots? Who hears the regrets of the thieving automobile? Is there anything in the world sadder than a train standing in the rain? I don't care about the train in the rain. I don't care about the train in the rain on a plane in Spain. I just, I think partly the problem is a translation there. That stuff to me, Could be. like when you just read those three, it's, it's like, it's like a baby step towards surrealism. Or mm. it just takes a little step, right? Like he, mm. like almost trying to create a, a, a like an un, like a profitable ambiguity, but they're forced, aren't they? Yes, well, they seem yeah. like a little bit heavy. Like a little I think forced. the particularly bad thing with that the train in the rain is you're you're very much prescribing the feeling of the image, right? You're, you're saying, is there anything sadder than a train? Well, it would yes. be different if it was something a little more open, maybe. Also, I don't know. Also, those lines surely sound way better in Spanish. That's oh, what I'm, I'm hoping. Sure. You know, this this is a translation from, I think, the 70s, so I, I really hope there's a better translation out there somewhere, because I they've got to be better, I right? doubt train and rain. Kind of That's what I'm thinking, yes. Me, right? Yeah, well, which... Well, I mean, they probably... Is there another couple of bad ones, or this, did you just read those three, or is there another one? There's uh, the first in that particular page in from the Book of Questions. Tell me, is the rose naked, or is that only her dress? I actually like that one even less, but yeah. it just... But That's I'm, a pretty cliche. Yeah, but... So <laughs> I'm trying to give him the benefit of time in the past and maybe a terrible translator maybe because there are beautiful classical poets you know not classical but you know early 20th century poets who do beautiful jobs i mean yates has some beautiful question poems that don't make you want to stab yourself in the head are those like are those like okay so if they're not surrealism surrealist but they're like a step like a like ooh, this like try to make this juxtaposition is it like are by asking, turning those into questions, are they like shortcuts for simile or metaphor? Um, are they like, is that what they're trying to do? Or are they just not good? <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe they were like cones, you know, those Buddhist mm-hmm. riddle sort of big questions that you're supposed to meditate upon, except I'm not a Buddhist and I'm an, I know nothing about cones, except the idea that they are these sort of poetic riddles, big ideas, ways of framing big ideas so you can ponder them. And when I started to look at the way I use questions in my poems, I do tend to use questions for the big spiritual, I don't know, I have no idea, and is not knowing okay, which is kind of a cone idea. So maybe there's something between I do I do think they're moving towards surrealism often, but I also think they're trying to grab this bigger ineffable. But both of those examples that you just gave 
it's it's those kind of stand out because they're all questions. Where I think more often questions are like a transition in a poem. Mm. Where those are kind of it's I think maybe more difficult if you're trying to write a poem that's all questions. <laughs> yeah. Because then it becomes a list poem. Yes, exactly. Then it like a list. Where it's you know it's this it's it's then it becomes like a, a rhetorical device, right? Where the question yeah. becomes a piece of rhetoric, where it's like, okay, I'm going to list off all these like internal this internal dialogue, like you said that who did? Uh, Barnett, Barnett did, okay. and uh, you know who does good list poems like that is Terence Hayes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I mean he's got a bunch that aren't all questions, but he does. He's got one called Music to Interrogate By that is mostly questions. Okay. And it's it's quite long, but it includes, it starts off, when they ask what you did, when you found the man crouched at your door, his blood greening the steps, you will have to say, he was not there, I did not see him. The noise spread to the edge of the state, you had no power, but what you had was the same color as power, like the rain in the thread of jacket. What did you do after spitting out the name of your leader? Were there no bullets to trouble him? Was there no spell to blind him? And it, it keeps going with all of these really complicated questions, and he answers some of them with more questions, and it's really effective. But so that, but, but, but that's not all questions, though. Like, and and he mm-hmm. set it up as there's an interrogation going on, so there's this context for it that's a little different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like because then you can evoke the gravitas and tension of like what a series of questions can do to a reader. Who has to put themselves in, into a situation where where the mode of the the juxtaposition that is sought after there is like you're in you're under the hot lights mm-hmm. you're being interrogated. Mm-hmm. I totally yeah. That's actually there. a weird interrogation thing that C. D. Wright with she has this book One with Others that's sort of between journalism and poetry. Okay. It's she did that. Yeah. yeah, but this one is very specifically about uh, civil rights movement in her hometown in Arkansas, and it's really, uh, it's uh, Harris, uh, hang on, two secs, it's in the back here, Harrison, Arkansas Ozarks, Harrison. Yeah, where she mostly grew up. So Bleak little town. Where she's using questions in a- well, what's weird about her choice is she uses a lot of questions, but she almost never uses question marks. She puts them in as statements, which gives, you were talking about this gravitas, it gives sure. it this, you're reading these bleak facts, some of which are pulled from court documents and things that obviously were questions, but she doesn't, she just punctuates them with period and keeps going. Mm. So I, I was I find that puzzling but really effective. Wow. Okay. So it's turning. So it's a question because it has a who, you, who, where, what, why, how kind of uh, structure. Mm-hmm. But just out of curiosity, because I don't I don't remember that book. But can you pull? Something is it on? is it punctuated or is it just no punctuation? No, it is punctuated some of the time. There's a lot of periods and like line breaks and brackets, but the. Uh, For example, here's a tiny bit. 
William Jefferson Clinton listened on shortwave from Oxford, but the band didn't play Dixie. Come again? Only that the band didn't play Dixie. Now, come again is a question. It's just come again, period. Yeah. It's all, all of those it's statements end not, with quam, quam, quam. Yeah, no, no. And the, you know, Dixie has uh, quotation marks around it. And she just, and she uses semicolons and colons, but she has very, very few question marks. She has question marks in little bits that she's pulled from Dear Abby, where people ask Dear Abby a question. She keeps yeah. those question marks, but mostly she's gotten rid of them. The, okay, so like, let's, let's, let's address come again real quick, because that's like, because I like that phrase, because it's very like colloquial and it's very like speech uh, to text. It's very like a, 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 it's a vernacular. conversational vernacular. So like, um, Come again, kind of like uh, even though that even though it's a question, it kind of has the quality of a statement though too. Yeah, it's, dire- it's directed. Like, yeah, come again. That's true. Actually, so it, yeah. has that, it sits on that like a fence of a question and a statement or or an order. But in yeah. that almost in the way mm-hmm. that it was in that poem, you can't read it any other way than a question. It's a question, which it, is kind of interesting. The, the punctuation almost gives it some ambiguity that it wouldn't have. But it's cut with the question mark there. But right? when you don't put a question mark. It becomes totally conversational, and it uh, takes the heaviness away from come again being the question. With a, a question mark, really stops punk. It, like in the flow of a poem, mm-hmm. think about if it had all these questions, it would be heavy. Yeah, totally. It would and stop the reader in their pace rather than state sentences, letting the reader just to continue, giving them permission to roll. Which actually might be part of this problem with the book of questions. If you punctuated it differently, it might not be so annoying. Part of the annoyance is this constant sort of ah, 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 at the end yeah. of all the lines. Well, like, like almost it in a way. Like the problem is when I don't know, but also part of it is just having so many questions. Because if without context, a list of questions, it feels like when you have like a kid <laughs> who wants to just endlessly keep asking questions that they don't really care about the answers necessarily. <laughs> They just want to give this list of things that they're interested in at the moment, right? Where if you have either a context for it or if you're alternating the questions with statements, that changes, right? Like in that CD Wright poem, it's a way of creating an implied conversation without having to state who's making the conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Um which is different. I, this different. just reminded me of something, and I, and, I, and, I, and I knew, I thought the instinct was there, but it's right. It's also how, it's also how Ginsburg in Howell is playing with the reader when he says, who poverty and tatters, who bared mm-hmm. their brains, who passed through universities, who were expelled, who cowered, who, were, who got busted, who ate fire and paint and he has periods after all those? No, they're all commas. It's this ongoing long breath. Of who yeah, bring down yeah. from the fire, but then who bring down? But it's 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 the question implied, mm-hmm. but that never gets answered because it's an evocation, in a way that the Cohen is like. But that's you also know, in a it, it's, it's also interesting in the, in the in that example because you've got that grammatical ambiguity of who in English. You don't know is this. I mean, who can perform other functions than being a question? Yes. Right? So this could be like a relative clause, like it's describing the thing. And that is what it is. Coming before, or it could be, you you know, so there's that right. happening too, which is kind of There's a play there. Yeah. 
I think actually what's attractive about this idea of the invocation as a question and um, is this idea that you're reading poems not for answers but for questions. The idea that the poem, the act of the poem is a question. It embodies a question. That's why you're making a poem. If you already have the answer, then why are you writing the poem? You should maybe be doing something more specific. Yeah, that is a nice part about it for sure, yeah. There's an argument, um, the Montreal-based poet Aaron Murray makes a really great argument about how poems are uh, curiosities, and they're openings, and they're glimmering as opposed to a clear, you know, like a, photograph, a photograph is in focus, and it's a thing, it's clear-cut. It may or may not be true, but it is what it is, whereas a poem is rarely exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. And... I, I like that idea, the idea that you should, uh, well, Moray says that poetry is not to tell stories, not to laud the chippy, but to query, that to lis- it's to listen to language excel- itself and to let it pull you, to let it resonate with all of life's paradoxical splendor. So it's to query. Yeah, I'm just like, that gave me an image in my mind. It gave me this image in my mind, like, of, like, of this... <laughs> I'm just going to try to describe the image, but it's like, when you're looking at a poem, like, when you're looking at the front of your cell phone, you see what's depicted on the screen, whether it's whatever app you're using. But when you're looking at a poem in a book, you're looking at this text on the page, whatever the page looks like, whether it's a visual, it doesn't even matter what kind of poem, it's a visual poem, concrete poem, but then, like, behind the poem... Or, like, but, like, what's really behind the poem? Because you're flipping over the page, but there's nothing there. There's just another poem. And you're like, oh, wait. But behind the poem is the work that went in to make that impression of that language. Mm-hmm. Right? But there's a whole other world back there. And sometimes the world is flat. And sometimes the world is really intricate. And, like, that idea of, like, you know, I don't know how I got into that. But that I was going to relate it to what you just said about... Um, what, what that state? What, the openings, the, opening, the curiosity, curiosity, the glimmering. Yeah. Yeah, it's like there's, I would a, there's, agree. A, there's, a, there's a whole fabric that can lead up to something, you know. And we were talking about this one of the last episodes where, like, when 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 it bothered uh, I bothered you that like when when people do these like um, biographical like treatises of like a poet's life, like oh. Yeah. Well, Poe must have been feeling this and doing this when he wrote that poem. Like, that's totally... Or, like, living here and doing this. Like, no, that's bold. Like, you can't do that. You can't... You know, because there's so much more going on back there than, like... Yeah, actually, I uh, I was looking for... After I became really annoyed with Neruda, I realized (laughs) that I did really like some of Yeats's question poems. And then I made the terrible mistake of looking one up online and was treated to so many essays about exactly what this particular poem means. And I mean, there's this amazing poem he wrote in 1926 called Among the School Children. And I think it's this wonderfully open-ended examination of the big what question. And yet you can download several essays ready to insert into your university exam that will tell you exactly what every one of those eight verses means and why he wrote them and which school child exactly inspired him to write each line. And I just, I feel that that is 
A, utterly wrong, and B, missing the point on so many deep levels that it just, but it is it's, what it it's is. It's where, like, the excessive nature of, like, of, like, the liberal arts system, like, <laughs> like, get, gets, peep, gets, like, it's where it bubbles up on the top where it's just like, um, oh, yeah, yeah, you can, you know, it's all been written, like, the whole canon has been, like, described and, and, and thrashed, and, and it's already been done, kid, you know, you can just go to any one of these books. Well, you know, we're, we're in the midst of the reason for that, or people being aware of the reason for that, now, and it's the problem. I mean, that's like it's the, the problem with the internet. I mean, no, it's the money behind education, right? Like, that's yeah, what about. like it's the same thing as what's going on in the news right now. It's like, so you know, it's it's the driving force behind a lot of education is money, right? And it's like, so if if you want your, you know, if you want your job, you gotta publish things, and you can. You've got to write something like that to be able to publish, and if you want to be able to give some supposed objective measure of whether someone's learned something, you need something that's a definitive answer to the poem so you can test them on it or, you know. A definitive question that is answerable by commerce. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But you wouldn't need that except for money, right? That's a money Mm -hmm. thing, Mm -hmm. I think, really. (laughs) Yeah. That's true. But yeah, but, yeah, well, because that's like it's all it's it's yeah, it's like the whole how the whole publishing world is intertwined with that too, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like it's like keeping up with the status quo, and you know, it's like it's like oh, who's in fashion this year? You know, it's like oh yeah, yeah. Matthew yeah. Arnold's back in popularity or whatever, like whatever the trends are. It's like oh yeah, it's like sure, the up and coming yeah. collection of whoever's work is going to be coming up on public. Well, now you well, we can get back to the public domain question, and that's related to it as well. All this, like, public domain stuff that's been kept from... No, and that's funny, like, how people that no one's read for a long time come back into style because of... And they'll suddenly be, there's been no critical work written about it for years, and they'll be... It's like the weird... You know, it's like five of them will come out in the same year all of a sudden. It's like, why is there this sudden interest in this book that no one's been writing about for all this time? Yeah, and somehow there's, like, three collections coming out, and you're like, yeah, okay. How did that happen? Yeah. That happened with like Emily Dickinson like ten years ago. Yes, 15, 15 years there was ago. this like, big bloof. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> of like, oh my god, you know, like down to like the little last little nuance of Emily Dickinson. It was like so much stuff. There's actually I'll Amherst on that. Huh? I'll Amherst. <laughs> yeah, they needed a tourist industry, and they were like, yeah, okay. I don't know if that worked out. So well. <laughs> I mean, I guess some people do go there to see her house, huh? Yeah, and the grave and all that, but. I feel like people go to see the house and don't even know that the graves are there because it's in such a weird spot. Yeah, you're probably right. It's like, go behind those stores to find the graveyard. Yeah, it's like a cemetery that's behind Main Street. Oh, weird. Yeah, okay. You know, like, go I've down this, like, been. one alleyway, and there's a parking lot back there for the cemetery. You don't even know it, really. And it's a nice little cemetery, but it's small. Wow. The like, tombstone just says, called back. Hmm. <laughs> wow. That's her, that's her epigraph. that's kind of great (laughs) wow yeah there's nothing to add to that as an epigraph it's just absolutely clear wow so more uh, I like this idea of questions but you know what so we had the bad Neruda yeah but I was thinking as I was thinking about this I didn't know we were talking about this it made me think of a Neruda poem that has questions that I like Oh, yeah. Which one? Because there are some wonderful Naruto Um, poems. And I was 
particularly thinking of this Robert Bly translation, which may not be an accurate translation, I don't know, but it definitely does have questions in it. Um, the And So the Pale Metalloid Heals You poem. You know that poem? <laughs> but it also seems like a different functioning of questions. I mean, we could read it, but it's like uh, almost accusatory, right? And that's another thing you can do with questions. Mm-hmm. And I also think of like, like, uh, the Leonard Cohen song, like, Who by Fire, right? Like, that's kind yeah. of like that, too. Like, it's a list of questions, but it's kind of accusatory. Mm-hmm. Well, it's... You can use question poems as quite political poems that are really interesting that way. Yeah. And actually, Neruda did some fantastic poems of resistance. He's Absolutely. better at resistance than... Yeah, at, that's probably his best stuff. For yeah. Him. He can get a little schmaltzy when he gets out of that, but when he's... Uh, dealing with the more difficult things in his life, I think he's always better. Yeah, yeah, he's one of those poets that's better with the actual problems than with the emotional angst. He's not so hot on emotional angst. But, yeah, I don't know, I think questions are interesting, though, because sometimes they function as little motors moving your poem forward. You can sort of, it's it's a bad habit of mine, I think, to end certain sections because uh, I write very long uh, poetic narratives and I tend to end certain sections with a series of questions. When I started thinking about questions and I was going through looking at the way I, I use them, and I think it's because I don't expect to know the answer, but it's nice to have them st- the questions stuck earlier on in a poem, so it sort of generates energy around it, it's sort of this machine that's moving and gyrating yeah. inside the poem and moving it forward, and I'm, I'm happiest, I think, when I can use questions like that. Yeah, I think Little Motors is a good way, like, I, I mean, that's what I guess I was trying to say, or I think as a transition in a poem, that's yeah. very, like, that's a very useful thing to just drive it to another, to kind of change modes, like, it lets you change modes, Change speakers, change modes, change ideas. Change voice. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The shift. That can be used, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, with that, you know, and it makes me think of, like, well, like, that surrealist question game, that's a lot about what that's about, too, right? Like, the, like you write the questions, and then you write the answers. And Unseen. Afterwards. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what it does in a poem a lot of times, too, whether it's literal or not. It's like, the next line automatically is sort of read as an answer to the question, whether it actually is or not. And it's probably better when it isn't actually intended to be, and then you kind of have to do that work as a reader of, oh, how is that? And, you know, or you do automatically, well, how is that an answer to a question? Or maybe well, that, it kind of is in some way. Well, know? then as you read them, too, your mind is like, oh, that was the answer to the question from three questions ago, right? Yeah. Or yes. something like that. Yeah. 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 A cut and paste of feeling. I actually... I often like grabbing people's answers or grabbing people's questions because I also tend to mishear things often, and sometimes the misheard question is just mm-hmm. wonderful. So I I like a lot of those. I think actually the Neruda might have written a lot of these questions as, you know, who hears the regrets? And then some other folded up bit of paper was of the thieving automobiles. And that probably was, I I'm hoping that 
that was how he devised them because I'm not sure he has an excuse otherwise. That'd be a cool project, though, if you took Neruda's book of questions and just uh, and insert, just wrote and answered everyone. Ah, uh, that would be a, if somebody taught university. It would be a great like. Okay. Now I'm going to cut this up here. You guys go. I was, I was okay. I was thinking. I was thinking along those lines, but I was thinking it more like um, more like a, a little fun a fun thing that you could make. Uh, if Neruda is Neruda in the public domain, probably right. Should be by now, I think. Maybe I don't know. Okay, but like I, what different is, countries have different laws. Oh, that's, okay, true. So get out of the U.S. Is that like a whole book of questions? Yeah, it is like an actual. Book? Yeah, it's called the Book of Questions. Yeah, it's is a small it book. Is? Yeah. What if you What if you turn it into a, into a, like a like like a, like a middle like a like basically like a middle school worksheet? <laughs> Good. <laughs> and you and you and you actually put it in worksheet style, like four questions to page style, and you made a workbook out of it, and it was like the book of the Neruda Book of Questions workbook, and you had a that would be fantastic. You had to work through your Neruda. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Where you have to like take it and you <laughs> that have, would be pretty cool. You have to like work through your Neruda and you have to go through it's like a therapy, it's like a poetry therapy thing. Where you could take the, this book of questions by Neruda. It's a poetry workbook. But I also think if, if anyone has writer's <laughs> block fantastic. right now and just wants to make a book, you could just write a book called Book of Answers. It's all answers to the questions. You don't print the all questions, you don't explain it. Just questions you find. You can use Catherine Bennett's work. You could use Neruda's work. You could just yeah. randomly answer all the questions that are in people's poems. That would be fantastic. That'd be, yeah, that'd be I cool think, too. Hey, I have some questions book. I can throw into the pot. You could pull out a book that isn't all questions and do that too. Just pull the questions. Just pull the question parts out and answer those. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Moray has a poem that uh, has... To learn a new language changes the mouth. Cambia a boca. We were hurt in this. We found ourselves in this. Our speaking veered off. My speaking veered. Whose speaking veered? There were these and these broken materials. Follow, follow, and poetry. The movement between the is, the not is, between the not is, the is not. In this space, which is huge and full of teeth and valleys, poetry is first made. Poetry is first making. Teeth and grass, dirt and fingers and the mouth. That mouth that won't let us forget it ever. Why do we have a mouth? <laughs> no, it's That's a good question to end on. Why do we? It's not enough. I know that sounds crazy, but he wrote that in 1974. He wrote it in 74. Yeah. Oh dear. Wait, the Book of Questions. Book of questions. Oh, really? Did he write wow. it then? Did it come out then? It wasn't published by. It was cop copyright 1974 by Paolo Neruda. Wow, that's, really wow, that's the late. The translation was wasn't wasn't uh, done until 1991. Oh, then there's no excuse for the train in Spain. Pooh, that's too bad. Okay, well, we're just, we're not going to judge Neruda for his questions. Maybe it was just a long day. He had already written some really good protest poems and, you know, his house poems, and they're amazing. And we're going to put together the school primer answers f for Neruda. But there could be, there could be a translation issue, because I imagine there's multiple translations of that. It's got to be. That's always the issue with Neruda. There's a lot of bad trends. In the book of yeah. questions, Neruda achieves a, a deeper vulnerability and vision than in his earlier work. These poems in integrate the wonder of a child with the experience of an adult. Mm. That does not. Well, we don't have to like agree. <laughs> Child's irrational questions solely with the source of the rational mind. 
That's okay. Anyways, pretty much exactly what I was saying about a list of questions, though. The child's yeah. irrational question. But there are some wonderful poems you can make with random lists of questions. I think there it's are, possible, yeah. Yeah, there yeah. are lots of decent question poems. And also just, yeah, I, I still think sometimes the questions function as this great Buddhist unknown. They can, the yeah. I mean, but, but I think that puts a lot of weight on them to do that, and then you need, like, a good question. Well, you can use, I don't know, what? Maybe. I mean, I'm just, like, looking at the book of questions. What about this question? All right. What forced labor does Hitler do in hell? That's in there. So that's... Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> that's a question that you were to ask. Hitler do in hell? That's kind of a good one. Yeah, I think the answers to this book are going to be really interesting if we go through with this project. <laughs> I think copyright wise you could do it because you wouldn't have to end you wouldn't have to print the questions. You could just print you it would be good if you kept the order for the workbook, yeah. You're right, for the workbook you would have to. Maybe you could get rights. Maybe it wouldn't be that expensive to get the rights to it. (laughs) But no, but that's something I was also thinking about it is it I was trying to listen to some of the questions and be like, what happens if you turn that into a statement? Mm -hmm. And the bad questions when you turn them into a statement, it makes almost no difference. They're still... But, yeah, but a good question, like, what what forced labor does Hitler do in hell, is much more interesting as a question. If you make it, Hitler does forced labor in hell, that's worse. Mm-hmm. Right? Or that's, like, an interesting way to think about it. What happens if you turn that question into a statement? Does it? How does that change the meaning? Oh, that's true. I mean, if I take some of the questions from Catherine Barnett's piece... Like, are sex and death the only rafts out of here? The line, sex and death are the only rafts out of here, is pretty grim. Yeah, it's not but, as good, right? It's yeah, are sex and death the only rafts out of here is a way better line. Because it, it creates a dramatic situation by making it into a question, whereas a statement, it almost sounds like someone... <laughs> yeah, that's in a very... <laughs> depressed state or something, right? (laughs) Which which is another, yeah, I mean, questions can imply some sort of dramatic situation, and that's nice. She has, where did we think we were going? And I know somewhere in here, I have almost, I used almost exactly, yeah, I didn't, it's not exactly, it's, I have the question, could we stop ourselves if we tried? So obviously the idea of like, some questions you just keep wanting to put into poems. You keep wanting the yeah. poem to question it out for you somehow, I guess. I don't know. Do you want to read us one of your poems that has questions in it? Yeah, I'll read that one since I found it. I might as well. It's uh, in the Riparian. And I wrote a series of um, poems in this that are about tour guiding. So this is one of them. Pausing at Lafitte's tavern, my tourists order me a kindness of strangers. You have an interesting life, one of them tells me. Well, everyone does, just not on paper. What is faith but a kind of fruit which ripens in the mind? An elderly man is digging a hole in the neutral ground at the corner of Esplanade and Dauphine. One of my tourists stops beside him and says, You bury in the evidence? But the man doesn't glance up. He might still be digging there. He doesn't look like he's joking at all. My tourist stares up at the sky. 
Where are we now? He says. Those stars, that light they send us is so old. Why do we wish on them? Could we stop ourselves if we tried? The world seeps into us. We are porous even with our mouths sewn shut. That ragged baseline dredges through. So I'm not offering any answers for you. <laughs> in that. Well, but that's another thing. I don't know. I mean, your poem is doing that, and that's another thing that questions allow you to do, as it allows the speaker of the poem to come out, come off as like a prophet. Or <laughs> because that's kind of what it is, right? Like, cause you're, the tour guide is prophet. Yeah. Yeah. Kinda. You know. Um, but but without the questions, it would seem very. I don't know, like, the questions make it seem less pretentious or something to do that, right? It allows you to do that in a way that you would maybe not be able to do if you just made those statements, right? That's true. If I'm saying faith is only a fruit which ripens in the mind, or we are here, or we can't stop ourselves from wishing on stars, that's a terrible line if you change it from a question into a statement. That's actually really terrible. Wow, that's an interesting exercise. Okay. (laughs) Which also kind of implies you could take a terrible poem and really improve it by just putting everything into the question format. Wow. Well, I mean, you could take the worst lines and turn them into questions. (laughs) See if it helps. I don't think it's going to help that much, but it might. It might. It's a thought. It's a thought, maybe. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Yeah. But... No, that's that's good. I really like this. I mean, I have sort of thought about it before. But not this much in depth of like how questions work in poems. Well, I guess this idea that you're one of the set ideas is that questions in poems have to be rhetorical, and I actually, I always kind of assumed rhetorical meant that you already knew the answer. But when I looked up rhetorical, that's not actually what it means. <laughs> yeah, and I actually think the definition of rhetorical questions is probably somewhat inaccurate, even the way it. I mean, what did it tell you? It said that a rhetorical question was one that did not expect an answer. Not that assumed you knew it, but that it didn't expect one. See, I almost think that's not even accurate. I think a rhetorical question is a question whose main purpose is for some rhetorical effect rather than to get an answer. Right, rather than interrogative, period. Yeah, which doesn't, maybe you expect an answer, but that's not the reason you're saying it, mm. right? Like, maybe you're expecting someone's going to answer it, but the real reason you're saying it is for some other purpose. Which brings... something, you know. It's back to that Buddhist idea that you're talking about the big ineffable, ineffable not knowing, and that the not knowing is all right. But yeah. I don't think that's rhetorical. No, it's not. I think that's actually quizzical, and you're... you're interrogating the not knowing. That's actually an active question. It's not a rhetorical question. Well, but it's sort of rhetorical in the sense of, like, in, in the sense I'm saying, right, like, a koan is rhetorical because it's kind of making an argument in a sense. It's trying to prove to you that you're not as smart as you think you are. Right? Like, that's the point of asking someone a koan, right? Like, you know... Yeah, we're all, we all don't know that much, right? Like, that's the real purpose of asking that question, mm-hmm. is to mm-hmm. prove that to someone rather than to get an answer to the question, right? 
Uh, it's definitely not to get an answer to the question. But don't you think that's the point, like, in that sort of sense of a Zen koan? The point is to show you that you don't have the answers. So that's rhetorical in that sense, right? Like, that's the purpose of the question, right? And, I mean, I think rhetorical questions can have all kinds of different purposes, but the purposes are outside of the answer, right? Hmm, okay. It's to get you to think in a certain way. Right. Yeah. Or to give you a frame to... Right, it's a framework as opposed to a direct interrogation. But I think a question can be a framework. That's... Yeah, but a direct interrogation could be rhetorical too, right? If you're saying, I mean, mean, you're thinking like a bad cop or something, and you're saying, you know, weren't you there on, you know, weren't you there doing this on that night? The purpose is not to get the yes answer necessarily. They're saying they think you're guilty with that question is the real purpose of that question. It's, they don't really care how you okay. answer. They still think you're guilty, right? Like, it's a similar, I mean, a totally different purpose, but again, the purpose of the question is outside of the answer of the question. True. I guess. I guess the whole idea of how language functions when we speak versus how language functions when we put it into poetry, questions work differently. I guess, except that I think a lot of those poems that we looked at are using that rhetoric aspect of questions. They're Mm -hmm. taking advantage of how we use them in speech to have the effect that they have in the poems. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in a, in, a, in a way that's got a twist on it or a turn on it, that's mm-hmm. a little different, but it is like... I mean, it's that of course, we can't help but read those things in relation to the way we hear similar sorts of questions asked mm-hmm. in real life, right? Mm-hmm. I think, hopefully in poems, you're trying to make the the syntax and the punctuation do more than it would normally do just wandering around in a conversation in a coffee shop, but sometimes it is disguised as the conversation in a coffee shop. Yeah. But it's functioning in different ways once it's on the page and arranged and organized and, you know, framed as a piece of a book. Absolutely, but it's like, but it's weird, right? Like so, it's but that's what so it's got to function it. in yeah. both ways. So you're right. It, it 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 yeah. I still don't think the questions are the same as a cop asking a question. No, I think it's a different engine. Uh, there's like no, a perceived. I'm not saying it always is, but I'm <laughs> there's saying there's a perceived like, yeah. value of questioning, right? Like yeah, if you're being questioned, you know, if you're answering questions on an application. You're going to slip into a different mode of language than you are if you're answering questions on a test. Is it a long form question? Is it a yes or no question? Like, right, we, we have this, this whole, like, understanding and structure kind of built up, right, around questions. Like, we know it's like, are you, sur- is, is, are you asking this question by circling something? Are you filling in a, think about all the ways you can answer questions. You can fill in a little bubble on a scantron. You can, mm-hmm. you can circle a yes or no. You can nod. You can, you can, you can respond to things in a certain way. You know, um, you can fill out an application. You can take a short form test, a long form test. You can. Are we are we bombarded with questions all the time? Like in our 
We kind of are, actually, when you consider how many questions, texts, uh, software, app questions, permission questions, all of these questions. Yeah, we are. And you have to function every day on a regular basis by, by asking and getting answers to all sorts of questions. It's like such a part of our life every well, day. Well, sure. Don't you think? But there's a lot of <laughs> subtext to the question, and it's Tons more of important than the text. And that's what I like saying with the idea of like the rhetoric involved in the question. And when we talk about rhetorical questions, maybe rhetoric is not just about whether it expects an answer or not. It's about all that subtext wrapped up in the question, right? Very much so. And there's also lots of body language mm-hmm. going on with the way that you do that, like as a teacher. <laughs> Right? But that's partly like uh, Catherine Barnett's accursed questions. She's got all of these questions. At one point, she says, um, what is an ending? The students sometimes ask. Ha, huh, the answer to that question. <laughs> the answer to that question brings the priest and the doctor running over the hills. I do not know what she means by that, but I like it. I like it a lot. Running Running over over the hills. Weird. Wait. Read that again. What is an ending, the students sometimes ask. Ah, the answer to that question. Brings the priest and the doctor running over the hills. Well, it's death, I guess. Mm, That would be an ending. Priest and doctor running over the hills. And then she's got a, a little dash. And then the next part of the poem is maybe best not to ask when will what take whom where and to do what well and, and well and I, I i like that and i also think that fits in with what you said was the original idea behind your book right is this well if you're suffering from anxiety if that's something that's kind of what anxiety is right you're mm-hmm. imagining a thousand possibilities yeah what matters and why and how to stay in control yeah yeah, in Accursed Questions 3, she has, My friend asks if I ask questions to stay in control, but I'm just not into the crossword puzzle or the Yankees or slow cooking or pornography. I don't know how to participate in the usual exchanges. So what is a loud noise you secretly like the sound of? <laughs> loud noise you secretly like the sound of? I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I can... I can. <laughs> I kind of, there's something, uh, I definitely, there's some loud noises I definitely like the sound of. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that... Like when you're on an airplane and it's taken off, you know, that's like, that, like, hypersonic, mm-hmm. you know, that, that just like... Yeah. And it's just like warming up, and you're like, I'm going on a trip, and this thing's about to blast off. <laughs> I just love that, that idea, though, a loud noise you secretly like the sound of. And then you can't help but imagine, like, is it bad that I like this sound? Yes. Like, <laughs> very satisfying, loud noise. Like, certain power saws are very, very horrible and high pitched, but kind of satisfying oh, yeah. in their sheer horror. I maybe yeah. maybe it's almost like a dentist drill sound, but you're like, but it's not actively hurting me, so I like it. It's kind of exciting. <laughs> yeah, I mean that these are valid questions yeah, to put yeah. in poems. I yeah. think, even if the answers are not in the poems. No, they seldom are. Yeah, it's true. I I tried to answer. I have 
when I started the Riparian book, I started it with a bunch of questions that a bartender asks. <laughs> and I tried to have the narrator answer them, but she, now that I think about it, she doesn't totally... I mean, the book starts, the moon slants behind me and I limp into the rip. That's the nearest bar. Of course it is. The dreaded out bartender looks me up and down and says, so you're resisting the tyranny of pretty. I stare at her. I'm unemployed, sweaty and bleeding where I've fallen from my bike. How many wishes do you need? Says the bartender. She has splendidly colored tattoos. I read the painted wooden sign over the cash. I ask the bartender why the bar is called Rip. Riparian, darling, says the biggest of the drag queens in the bar, of or on the riverbank. Wetland, fenland, mudflat, morass, quagmire. Her silver eyeshadow gleams. She's bewigged Cupid bowed royalty. Let me guess, she says. You moved here thinking we'd save you. But this place never saved anyone. We just pull you down faster. And the narrator wants to know if that's what she wants. Is that what she wants? Maybe. Mm. Maybe that's what she wants. <laughs> but I think I like the idea of questions because we are always asking questions. Like you were saying earlier, we're bombarded with them, but we're also, that's our, you know, a bit like, Catherine Barnett, that's our social go-to. There's a gap, so we'll ask a random question about loud noises or the weather. Do you like the weather? Have you been out today? Have you... Do, what do you think? Do you... Any kind of question at all will somehow fill this blank space otherwise. Yeah, and it can be a defense, right? Mm -hmm. It's like Socrates, right? Yes. I wanted to ask a question, and I don't want to I just, answer that. I just want to do... As, as, an, as an exercise. Yeah? I just... I just I want to, I, okay, so there's like this stack of papers I've been looking at for a minute, this top one right here down below. Uh-huh. It's, it has a really interesting cover on it, it has nothing to do with the show right now, but um, <laughs> it actually has everything. It might, it might have a question it, in it. It might have a question no, in it. And what stinks about that, that right there is I should have brought that information into the last episode because it's all about, it's, it's a 1912 feature on movies. The Little Sister of Legit and Vaudeville. You mean Aha. two episodes ago. Sorry. <laughs> and, uh, and, moving uh, pictures. Moving pictures, right? Yeah. The well, they were invented in the late, late 19th century, so that fits. A page of fun. So Ooh. I just... Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. I was just I getting ready... The, I, to, to I look was at, okay. just getting ready to try to wind this episode down, <laughs> and you're bringing another thing into it. No, what I want... Here, <laughs> but okay. it's going to be good. Here's why. Here's why. Here's why. Because... Okay. Because here's what I want to prove, but this is, this is, this is, um, cause there's memes, right? Mm -hmm. There are questions. Mm -hmm. are there yes. Questions? Sure. Is Absolutely. that not a format? Meekin has hamburger. Is that a format? Yeah, exactly. So, okay. So the question, so we can just a little bit more about the question format of memes. Shall we do that? So I just wanted to take a quick look because I had a feeling that if I flip that specific paper over, anyone's in that stack right there. There's going to be a page of fun, and on the back of the page those of are, fun, those are neat. So yeah, there's always questions. That, explain what that is. This so is the comics page. This is basically like the adult. They're not really comics. They're no. like, well, I guess they're comics. They're sequential art. They're sequential art, but it's always like 
usually a couple in a situation. Maybe not on that one, but maybe the next one. They're usually in some recognizable situation. Yeah, that's page of fun in the back. Look. And it's basically like a a short a short one panel conversation, right? Essentially. Yeah. So yeah. this one's really good, but I don't know. It's it, it's like it's just like okay. So here's the thing. They said in the news on some stupid website just recently, it was like, oh, is this the first meme ever? From it's from 1921, and I'm saying, I'm like, dude, you guys, you guys are so stupid. 1921? You think the first meme is from 1921? First of all, the first meme is probably, like, Greco-Roman. Probably, Okay, yeah. And I'm sure there's some memes I'm where there's sure some tile work, argument for some, some funny little, sure, like, there's, uh, market oh, there's art. Graffiti. There's, there's graffiti. Some, there's graffiti. There's graffiti. Yeah, there's graffiti. Yeah, like there's some silly meme, sure. I bet. Okay, there's but look at these. The this one just says, saving up. But the, the reason I'm going to this is because all these comics pages, if you look at that one, they ask questions. That's all the jokes. Yeah, but it's because it's it's because of the thing we talked about. It creates an implied conversation, and that's Charles. what these are doing. Yeah. Have you no- quite noticeable? Right. It's a guy in a, in a in a pinstripe suit, and she's wearing this little like like flapper thing from twelve twelves, like this like kicked up thing <laughs> with these like little shoes and some some stockings and a little striped skirt and a sailor looking dress, and it says, and she's got the be- Rosie the Riveter hat uh, on her head, is, yeah. and it says. Quite noticeable. Charles. Have you noticed it, Lorraine? Lorraine. Noticed what, Charlie? Charles. How close the ocean keeps to the shore? Okay. Yeah, but it's... but it's, it's uh, Yeah, read it. Park read saving it. up. Okay, maybe you edit that one out, whatever. No. Park saving up. Parks. When you expect... Uh, when do you expect to leave on your vacation, old man? And here's Marx. Marx responds, in about five more paydays. Yeah, but that's also like, isn't that a classic joke setup to ask a question to? And like, that's, so these are doing two things. They're doing the conversational thing. But it's also like, isn't that the classic quick joke setup to have a question and then kind of have a slightly unexpected answer? (laughs) You know? Mm Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Wifey. My dear, are the umpires always wrong? That's interesting, right? My dear, are the umpires always wrong? Empires or umpires? Umpires, sorry. All right. Sorry. When they're right, when they're right. And the wifey says, my dear, are the umpires always wrong? Not always. Sometimes they give the home team the best of it. I mean, you could print that right now for the Saints. Yeah. <laughs> yeah! You could print that. You could print that right now for the Saints. Okay, so that's... Okay, so that's where it comes... Wait, that is the exact same meme, right? It is. I mean, it's still the same thing that's going on. And what year is this one? 1912 or something? Yeah. hundred and seven years later that Country nothing girl. at all has well, changed. Quiet and peaceful. Country girl. It says, why don't you like the country, Eddie? And the city boy says, oh, there's too much grass and trees and not enough noise. Indeed, that's true. (laughs) Anyways, so there's something there with the questions on the funny page from 1912. Because questions are often funny. I'll say that again. There's something there on the funny page from 1912. Page of fun. Yeah. It's the funnies, right? It's the funnies. And... 
the funnies involve questions, but yes. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a joke setup thing, and also, yeah. like, but why is that a joke setup? I think it, again, is like the same thing in the CD-Ray poem, because it creates a conversation without you having to explain it. She actually does that a yeah. couple of times in there. She has, like, really awful jokes from the era, and she doesn't punctuate them with question marks, and they're just even, like, they're unreadable. They're just really terrible terrible wow. jokes and taking the question mark off them just makes them yeah even worse they're just it's really smart what you can do to the questions to to turn them into these we engines we don't we yeah it's funny i've been reading i've recently been rereading one big self which is her one where she went to the Louisiana. Oh camp. yes, yes. And she has a lot of. She yeah. Does great, she, I mean, there's probably questions on that too. I'm sure. Like, oh look, that. actually, I should um, go through it because, but, but there's so much of like overheard conversation mm-hmm. and like playing with that idea and like you're saying, like taking things that are things, some things that you hear all the time, and a lot of them are like jokey things, or mm-hmm. sometimes I think they're questions that are not jokey things or statements that are not jokey things, but playing with the juxtaposition of those overheard things and mm-hmm. how you put them together. Yeah. Yeah. It's super I think interesting. that, you know, if you really wanted to go the, down the rabbit hole of questions, <laughs> the deepest, craziest part of this is like, you know, if you make, I'm just thinking about questions and how they relate as a those red ones right there and those tubes, those are, those are, the, <laughs> those are the Harry Houdini red magic puzzle sections. And that is a rabbit hole of questions. I'm sure. Cryptology, cartography. Can you spot four? P- can you spot sixteen cuts of meat in this picture? Stuff like that. You know, like the puzzles. Uh huh. And then we've got visual I, poetry right vi- there. Visual stuff. Right on. Visual stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm not, now I'm just like now I'm just thinking questions, questions. And I'm going... Well, we have another episode on questions. Exactly. Not like, like an entire Harry Houdini Sorry. episode. No, but I'm thinking yeah, of, can, like... I'm, now I'm, like, thinking of ancient poems, and, and, and that is something that exists. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I think of Catullus, and he has a lot of self-questioning in his poems. But there's also, both in Catullus and Ovid, as a rhetorical device, when you're talking about something mythological or something, they just bring questions in kind of doing the thing we're talking about as like a transition mode to be like, well, did so-and-so do this? Like, Allow me to answer that, I yeah. Like, use like that as ways a... that you could use questions as humor as well. Like, mm-hmm. there's, yeah. like there's like all these, I'm just like... Well, there's some of that in Catullus too. Because there's like this, um, there's like this other, there's like this uh, other voice that can come in where it's kind of like, um, you know, it's like uh, the, the, uh, the de- oh, the devil and the angel on the shoulder. Like, what should I do? What should... Do it, you know. Do it. This, you know. It's like it's like it's like this like quandary. This like uh, quandary space too. Like, well, I, how, why did I think of that? Because I was thinking of like you said, Catullus, the self-effacing, the the askance, the like. Oh, yeah. The aside. Did you did you did you, did you make sure to shut the stove off? You know, like. The, um. Wow. There's a there. The power of questions. You know, my friend, uh, one of my really good friends in, in college, uh, after college actually, became one of those friends that becomes friends after you go. But it's a friend, someone you knew during the time, but they become your friend. And he always reminded me that year, I lived in Amherst, he said, you really have to become a good question asker. 
if you really ask good questions of somebody and, and that, because if you, if you figure out how to answer good, ask good questions, then that's the key to becoming a better listener. That's Being true. Attentive and asking good questions. Mm-hmm. Because if you sit down with somebody and you're just like, oh yeah, tell me about the show you were watching or like, or if it's just like some real chit chatty kind of like, kind of like how's the weather kind of stuff, you don't get anywhere. But if you can stop and I try to do this, like I try to do this at least once or twice a day when I'm having short talk with somebody I don't know, like if I'm out in the world and someone asks me, like, how you doing? I actually, I actually stop. I try really hard to stop and answer it differently and then ask a better question back. And the response is usually really favorable. Yeah. It's, it's all, I would say it's almost always favorable. Not always, but almost always. If you just like read the situation and ask a question that's more appropriate for the situation. Like if you're with like with like someone behind a deli counter and they're like waiting on you, you know? Like something like that. Like, what's this mix playing? I like the mix. Yeah. You well know? just asking better questions is the way to make better journalism, but it's also the way to make better conversation and experience because you're actually trying to engage with your better questions you're trying to engage the world and if you're trying to engage the world with your better questions you're more likely to get engagement back asking better questions Mm -hmm. how do we ask better questions maybe the neruda book of the (laughs) The worksheet we've got taking that pdf file and just taking it and cutting it up and making it into a workbook would be really fun I have a plan. That could be a workshop. I think that would be an amazing workshop. It would be a really good idea. Really fun. The book of answers. Answers for the book of questions. Tune in. Let's do this. Okay. Okay. Let's make a workbook of the Neruda and let's, and let's, let's, let's pass it around in like a little group of like 10 of us at Poetry Fest. Oh, that would be amazing. That would be so much fun. Exactly, and have and you can write multiple answers in the non-book questions. Can go through and, and but maybe we should do it digitally lovely. so we don't have to type them all up, and we can have a collection of all the answers. What if what if what if what if what if one person was reading the question, and we had three voices reading the answers, and that was the piece? No, but I'm saying like, if we, and we could do yeah, a yeah, series of this. We could collect all the answers. I think I think there's really good potential here okay. we're on it we are so on it we've got a month to make to figure questions. it out book of questions book of coming answers. soon <laughs> yeah a book of a book of a book of answers for a book of questions exactly coming soon <laughs> a workbook april 18th to 21st not a bad idea though i think yeah. it's good as a, wor- as, a, as, a, as a workbook yeah print. i think we're yeah. doing it I think we're totally we're committed now. But I think you should encourage people to go to a thing and enter their answers online, so we can have a an ongoing discussion. Okay, I think I think it should exist as a set project. Okay, so do it in print. We'll do it in print. We'll put a QR code or and a link so people can go and enter their answers. Okay, you know. Now, this goes back to another episode from twenty episodes ago, (laughs) ten episodes ago. But I still own PoetryChatbot.com. All right. Well, so, I, I don't know how that's going no, to relate. No, because we could because because you could, no, create, why? Uh, you could create a Pablo Neruda chatbot. Chatbot. Yes. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes. Wow. Yes, and you could and you could and you could do the Neruda questions, but you could also pull from other questions, and you could also you have could, a uh, menu, actually a chatbot menu, so you could say, 
Okay, and then you could ask one of the questions, and if you ask one of the questions... We can program the possible answers, all the things people wrote. It pulls from one of the possible answers. Because here's what you could do. Here's what you could do. You have a parent question, that's the Neruda question, Mm -hmm. and then you have all the answers, and then you have these sort of like askewed questions that those answers imply without going back to the original question. So we could have a sub a sub lexicon of questions. The different ways that people could ask those questions. If you mirrored back, I like it. Yeah, we're going into serious software work here, but not really. Okay, over to you. It's just it's just a it's just a uh, yeah. That's good. It's a tree. Nice. It's a tree. It's a tree. tree. Nice. The tree. The lexicon tree. Yeah. We're gonna have to go with this sort of iffy translation of that we've got going now because now I'm really committed to the train in Spain well, getting I, to the workbook. I, I think I it's important. Find the good translation. Okay, I'll see if there's a better translation. <laughs> be a there's got to be. Yeah, we'll find. We might just put the train in Spain in there. Just you know, you can put that one in anyway. Okay. Even if we use the good translation, I'll see what. Maybe there's a beautiful one, and I'll be like, oh whoa, now I love the book of questions, but. <laughs> We'll see. There might be, right? Yeah. There, there might be, and then and then and then we could get we could get crazy because if we if we if we actually asked our our Spanish speaking co- uh, co- comrades, uh, also do their level of it as well, then we can bring other languages. Then it can be bilingual, right? which would or be trilingual. one. It could be trilingual. Yeah. That would be beautiful. That would be very satisfying. Because that is a whole other level of the translations of what they have to say into their language and the translations that what we have to say into their language, which adds a certain level of questioning into it. Yes. Okay, we have a so project. So we end this on a... A catalyst? On a sexual joke. <laughs> this is Catullus' poem number 56. And he says, I have a good one for you, Cato. Fit for a belly laugh like yours. So show Catullus some love. This is really priceless. At my girlfriend's house, I caught one of the houseboys whacking off. I gave him a long, hard beating then and there. And guess what I used for a stick? <laughs> Ends on <in> question. <laughs> it does end on a question. Wow. <laughs> See, not all questions have to be subtle. It's not subtle at all. <laughs> or even rhetorical. Uh, you know, sometimes asking questions is about is its directness. Mm-hmm. Very direct. And we're, we're like almost <laughs> direct. Almost 2,000 years ago, he wrote that. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, guys. And now we'll, we'll go off to work on our book of answers, yeah, and we'll I get back. I hope, uh, dear, dear listeners, that that episode left you asking more questions. Oh, but before we, oh, wait, before okay. we sign off, do you have anything you, you want, want to plug, plug, promote, talk about? Ooh, um, I am going to be at the art club doing some work uh, as a... Uh, artist in residence, writer in residence for a couple of weeks in April, first cool. part of April before the Poetry Fest. And yeah, come to the Poetry Festival oh, yeah, April sure. 18th to the 21st. Cool. And uh, maybe the Book of Answers will be underway, but a whole lot of other stuff will be underway. Oh, yeah, so that'll sure. be amazing. <laughs> sure. So yeah, at the Healing Center. So that would be great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, it's been great. <laughs> Alright, we'll see you all again next week. Bye. See you all again next week.